WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of Dinner Party, Chef Amy Sins. Live on Zoom today, I have my friends Josh and Jared Higginbotham, and we are going to talk about Bayou Cora Farms, all things corn, and the best grits I ever had. And uh, it took me until last week to learn that there were better grits out there in the world. So, hey guys, thanks so much for joining. Oh, hey, thanks nice for having us. us. Well, so, you know, I I had the opportunity for my listeners out there. I was in Alabama and I got to meet some farmers and fishermen and and cook with all the good stuff and someone handed me this bag and they said, "Here's some grits." They're going to take a little bit longer to cook, Amy, but I promise it's worth it. And so I said, all right. Oh, my gosh, it was worth it. They were so delicious. And um, I said, I I need to know who brought these to me. And so uh, Andy introduced me to Josh and Jared, and I, I guess it goes from there. But, guys, there's so much history in that bag of corn you gave me. Yeah, there is. <clears throat> and we kind of, you know, we sell the story just as much as we sell the, the product, sell the grit, sell the corn. Um, I guess starting back at the beginning, uh, we're here in Alabama, we're in, we're in Baldwin County, and the corn came down from Marengo County, which is in central Alabama. In 1875, our great, 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 I have to count it on my fingers, our three great grandfather, uh, great grandfather had to uh, come down here in 1875, and he settled just outside of Magnolia Springs area, which they call it the Vernet Park area, and he started a farm there. <clears throat> and really, it's a long story, but he passed the corn down through the generations. And in, uh, when was it? 1987. 1987, actually when we were born. 1987, uh, our great uncles saved some of the seed. One of our great uncles had like maybe a gallon-sized bag left, and he put it in the freezer. And actually sat there for 24 years and they kind of knew it was there. Uh, they just didn't really do anything with it. And then in 2011, we brought it out and our granddad wondered if it still had germination. So he took it out and our great uncle said, you know, just go plant some, go plant some and see if it, if it works. If not, then, you know, unfortunately they've lost the corn. Well, he remembered he planted 98 kernels and 96 came up. So it had almost perfect germination. After 24 years. Yeah. I, you know, I love that. He's like, oh, just go, go plant it. You know, because yeah, it happens. just grows itself. You don't need yeah. to do any work. <laughs> you just go, go put that in the ground and see what magically happens. Yeah. So, so at a, at a 98, 96 came up and, you know, <clears throat> it took us a couple of years to build up a seed stock. He really didn't know what he was going to do with it. Uh, at that point, we really didn't know anything, you know, what it would turn into. And, in 2015, our granddad planted five acres and our grandmother kind of got aggravated with him uh, because she said, what are you going to do with it? You planted five acres. You don't know what we're going to do with this corn. Uh, and we ended up taking it to the local farmer's market. I only had like 
maybe 16 one pound bags. I didn't even have a mill then. I just had a, like a big blender. And I think I probably tore up the blender, <laughs> just putting this hard corn in there. It worked. I just pulverized it and made cornmeal out of it. And we took it to the farmer's market and within, it was a four hours farmer's market and I sold out the first day. So we knew then there was kind of some interest in the area for something like this, some kind of unique product like this. Well, so how does this process go? You know, when Papa's like, ah, hey, we're going to go plant some corn and now we're going to do five acres of corn. I, I'm assuming you guys weren't necessarily farming a ton before this business started or were you already in the industry? No, by this time, uh, our grandfather, he, he farmed his whole life. And then kind of in the late 80s when the agricultural industry kind of took a dip. I mean, he had to kind of get out of it. He went and worked in the aerospace industry for a while. And um, I mean, we always had the, the land, we always had the farm and the family, but nobody did a lot with it. I mean, we, we still grew some watermelons, you know, every couple summers, but nothing, nothing big. So at that point, we really didn't, like I said, we really didn't know what we were going to do with it. He and his brothers always had an idea that they might could mill it into cornmeal or something like that but there was really no plan which i guess is kind of what aggravated our grandmother a little bit that there's no plan and you're just doing this <laughs> so it was an adventure sometimes, just seeing what happened. <laughs> sometimes when you just have to jump in with both feet and just see what happens That's otherwise right. you're never you going to make your jump exactly just shot in the dark <laughs> and it worked well so when you grow the corn you know what's your time frame when you you put it in the ground to the time frame that you can mill it i imagine there are several steps in that process to get it to a point before you can pop it in your cuisinart or in your blender and uh turn it into cornmeal yeah so we we usually try to plant um at the end of march first part of april um we kind of you know judge the weather and see make sure there's not going to be another fr late frost or anything and so we plant it then, and then we can harvest usually uh, at the end of August, um, 1st of September. And then from there, we run it through our cleaners to clean the, the corn itself. And then we put it in a huge 40-foot uh, uh, shipping container that's a freezer so to make sure we kill any moths. or We don't use any pesticides on our corn, so we put it in the freezer to kill the moths and the weevils and anything. So we leave it in there. And then throughout the year, we can use that stock and we grind it as we need it. So we're not grinding everything at one time. We're using that through the year. So that way, when we plant again in March or April, we're still continuing to continuing to use that corn that we already had in the freezer. And then when we harvest again the next September, we'll be able to replenish that stock and, and continue the process. Now, from having it in the freezer, do you have to then go through a curing and drying process so that it it like doesn't gum up like i don't know what the uh, well, rules are but how you get it from, well, from by like, this, you know your barbecue corn to <laughs> <laughs> by this point well well the, the corn that we have it's a multicolored corn uh it dry we let it dry in the field so it's already down to a certain percent and then when we, we bring it out we do dry some of it just a little bit and then that's when josh said we run it through the cleaner and then we freeze it <clears throat> and we do that periodically and then we just bring it up to you know natural temperature, normal temperature, and uh, then we just keep pulling from it. So, I mean, it's it's already sacked up. It's ready to go, ready to go straight in the mill. 
Have y'all done any, uh, I don't know, taste tests where you've compared y'all's corn to other corn or corn you get to the grocery at the grocery store? And are you seeing differences in the, the flavor profile or the texture? We are, yeah. Uh, not to be biased, but ours, ours is pretty good. <laughs> we uh, we try to describe the taste of our corn as more of an earthy uh, kind of taste. I think that's probably the best uh, wording that we can come up with to accurately describe it. But it has much more of a, a rich, earthy, natural grain taste to it versus, um, you know, just kind of the instant grits that you get in the store. Have you done any research to see if it... Uh is healthier or causes less, I don't know, blood sugar spikes or anything like that. But well, so I I'm, can get away and eat grits every day like I did when <laughs> I was a kid. Well, one, one of the biggest things, like when we were going to the farmer's markets, you know, we had a lot of people who, who would come to us that have, you know, gluten intolerance or some kind of digestive issues. And, you know, the corn's naturally 100% gluten-free. So that helped them out. But they love the fact that it's non it's non GMO. I mean, uh, back in 1875, they didn't have any way of genetically modifying anything. <laughs> so uh, there's that. We don't use pesticides. We try to grow. Um, we're not certified organic, but we try to be as close as we can. You know, try to keep it sustainable. Um, but there's a there's a small time frame in right before it starts turning where you can eat it like sweet corn. It's not as sweet as sweet corn, but it does have a really good flavor. But that that time frame short lived. We only have about two weeks, maybe three weeks, till it starts turning. And then when it starts turning, it gets hard. You you can't you'll break a tooth. <laughs> but that's what that's the way we let it. We let it sit out in the field, and that's the point where it starts turning into all the multi colors that it has is when it starts drying. Yeah, and we also grind everything whole grain. So whatever the outer shell is, where whatever nutrients that are in the corn are on that outer shell. So we we don't take that off. So it's, it's in there when we process everything. So with the vitamins that are naturally in the corn, you're, you're still getting that because we grind everything uh, whole kernel. So as far as um, byproduct from the process, what do y'all have left over and what do y'all do with it after you've ground that corn? You know, there's, there's not a lot. Uh, the mills that we have, <clears throat> we do three different grind size, really the sifting size. So it all goes in one big batch and then we get the flour, the cornmeal, and the grits, you know, from finest to coarse. And then there's just a little bit of what they call overs that comes out. That's, you know, some of the, the bigger pieces of the shell or, um, and really we just kind of give that to family and friends as chicken feed. Yeah. <laughs> the chickens love it. The chickens love it. <laughs> I hope they give you chickens too after. <laughs> well, we get eggs. We get, eggs. We get lots yeah, of so eggs. That's a good trade-off. <laughs> well, and I, I always say that, uh, you know, as a cook, I like to put things in the pot together that go together. So if they eat it, it goes with it. So, you know, fried chicken and grits, it makes yeah. sense to me, right? Well, um, I also had a, I a poached had a egg. eggs yesterday. <laughs> what are some of the things that have become family favorites that y'all are cooking with, with your corn? Well, the grits, I mean, the grits is the biggest seller that we have. And, and we, we love to do that at, you know, family gatherings. And, you know, we'll go from the classic shrimp and grits to um, just basic grits, which is a lot of the way I love it, you know, just a little bit of butter, a little bit of salt, but, you know, and we tell a lot of people too, that, you know, you can make the grits and basically you can throw whatever you want. in them. I mean, it doesn't have to be fancy. It can be fancy if you want, it doesn't have to be, but that's one of the best things about it. Uh, you can just throw whatever you, you want in there, throw the kitchen sink in there. 
Um, but we also do the corn, the cornbread with the cornmeal. That's a, that's a big family favorite. Uh, we also, our grandmother kind of helps us out and she tests recipes and comes up with different things. And, uh, she makes a pound cake out of the corn flour. So it has no wheat flour in it, just the corn flour. And that thing's amazing. We've That's probably the best. Pound yeah, cake it's really, had. it's really good. <laughs> it's great. Well, well, Momo's going to have to send me some. <laughs> yeah, That's right. We'll get you some in the mail. <laughs> well, you know, I, I did notice on your website, uh, I think a lot of chefs uh, throughout the Southeast, they're starting to catch on. And we're all trying to find some kind of unique product with great flavor that we can incorporate. And I saw tons of chefs that are putting your products on the menu. Is anybody surprising you or has anybody done something where you go, holy cow, I never thought to do that with cornmeal or I never thought that grits could be done that way? Yeah, I mean, you know, when we first started out at the farmer's markets, like I said, we really didn't know what we were going to do. And some of the chefs were just, that's how we started getting in contact with them. They just started coming to the farmer's markets and using it for their restaurants here in Gulf Shores and Orange Beach and Eric. You know, and then that's when we not long after that is when we kind of got in touch with some chefs in New Orleans and especially over in New Orleans. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of different things they're, they're doing with it. You know, we've always heard of the shrimp and grits, but I know um, Toops uses it to make octopus and grits, which when I first saw that, I was like, oh, OK, that's interesting. But it's delicious. <laughs> I, well, I know uh, when we had that, we had 10 chefs in the kitchen uh, two weekends ago, and we were all cooking with y'all's products. And one of the chefs made the most amazing oyster dressing. And he oh, used yes. the cornmeal and the corn flour to help bind that oyster dressing together. And it just had this. Um, you know, something that went with that brininess of the oysters, it just was earthy and nutty and delicious. And I had, you know, I always use breadcrumbs. I had not even thought to, I mean, I have my cornbread dressing and I have my oyster dressing, right? And I never really thought the two should meet, but now I have completely changed my opinion to that. (laughs) (laughs) You'll do it that way from now on, right? Absolutely. And do you know my mother-in-law for Thanksgiving, she said, oh, you know, Thanksgiving, I'm going to have an easier Thanksgiving, so I'm not going to make cornbread dressing this year. I literally dropped my drink and looked at her and I said, that is not allowed, right? Because (laughs) cornbread dressing is what we need on our holiday table. And so now I think we're going to have two kinds of corporate dressing. Well, you know, our family says the same thing every year. We're just going to cut down a little bit. We're not going to, we're not going to do as much. And that never happens. I mean, you know, people show up with multiples of the same dish, but that's, that's the way it is. It'll all get eaten. It'll get eaten for sure. (laughs) How much is brought? So how many people are coming to your family uh, Thanksgiving? Oh gosh, we have, uh, a dozen to 15 or so that usually show up and then some stragglers, stragglers everywhere. But it's always fun. The, the more, the merrier. Well, this year for Thanksgiving, I am doing a whole new dish and actually we're, we're uh, doing it live on Facebook later this week, but um, I'm using your corn grits, right? And 
I'm not a huge fan of sweet potato casserole. Y'all <laughs> out there in listening land, I just find that it's kind of weird to have dessert on the same plate next to my gravy, right? Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. my, my sweet potatoes are my pie. Those are for later. But um, we're doing a roasted sweet potato grits and wow. adding a little bit of smoked Gouda cheese and uh it is so delicious and i'm really thinking that for my people that need sweet i'm just gonna give them some pepper jelly to pour on top of it and be like here's your sweet and spicy sweet potato grits but you start to realize that you know cornmeal was like one of our original vessels right and getting things to the table and uh we kind of need to get back to that a little bit yeah, I think so. First of all, when's uh, the invite to dinner? You need to tell us that. That sounds. Tell us when and where. We'll be there. <clears throat> and um, my, oh, and my mother-in-law is gonna love me when I go. Hey, mother-in-law, I got fifteen more people from Alabama coming, but they're bringing the grit. We're gonna be fine. That's right. Yeah. And they'll be like, "Okay, we'll make this work. It's it's a little extra, but we'll make it work." <laughs> so. Well, so what else is out there that you want to tell people to really kind of help them understand, you know, I think at this point with COVID and everything that's happening, we're all starting to realize what happens in the supply chain and how much work goes into getting food to our table. And I think three years ago, we were focused on the chefs and we would say, oh, chef so-and-so. And I really feel like now we have to be focused on the farmers and their families and the guys who drive the stuff to our local grocery store, because there's more to that process of how great food and, you know, heirloom food can get to our table. It doesn't just magically appear at the grocery store, right? Exactly. I mean, you know, COVID was a terrible thing, but I think one thing that's come out of it is it's made everybody stop and really think about, you know, one, where their food comes from and also how it gets to you. I mean, it's not just, I think before COVID, everybody just, you know, was going through the motions and it was like, oh, food's always there. You know, it's not, it's not a big deal, but there's a lot of different processes and people and businesses that go into getting food from the farm to to the consumer. So I think that's really opened our eyes to see all the different um, avenues that food takes to get to to a consumer. And you want to shout out anybody on your team and cheer for them and say, you guys are the best. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> oh, absolutely. All, all our all our customers and our, our um, their chefs and restaurants that, that use our products. You know, when we first started out, uh, it was a lot of us hitting the pavement and trying to get our name out there and and showing the chefs and the customers the the products but it's a great feeling now that you know we're getting calls of chefs calling contacting us to to get the products so it's it's kind of a, a reversal but it's a it's a much you know cooler feeling of them coming to us instead of us having to beat the pavement all the time so what's what's next on y'all's plate what's your next project are y'all going to just plant more fields are you looking at I don't know. You're going to start making corn mash and uh, do some whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, now that now that you mention that, yes. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, we're you know, each year we try to we try to grow a little bit. I mean, we're 
we're not planting the you know hundreds or thousands of acres that you know some other farmers are doing but you know we we usually plant 50 to 60 acres and that grows a little bit each year but you know just keep expanding uh and sharing our product and and something that we've had from the beginning besides the you know the the process processing it for food is either whiskey you know distilling in some way or you know we've talked to a lot of breweries too that could use it as an adjunct um that's kind of where we're i'm trying to venture into that route and we've talked to to several distilleries uh a couple over here and some over in new orleans too and try to see what we can do with that because we know the corn from how old it is and where it came from that you know they were using that to make moonshine make whiskey so we know it can be done and just like we said in the beginning trying to convince you know restaurants and chefs and people that you know these these products are different uh they're different than what you're going to buy on the grocery store shelf and it's kind of the same way with you know breweries and distilleries that you know there's they're all they're always fighting and trying to find that that unique flavor that unique taste just like chefs are so and that starts with the ingredients so we're trying to show them that you know you don't just have to get the regular yellow number two dent corn from the local elevator you can get you know something unique from local farmers too i agree now i have to switch back and ask y'all a question because you know early on when we were talking i think you said it was like 20 years in the freezer 24 um, yeah. and i laugh because if i didn't have so many hurricanes i you know there may have been things in my freezer for a long time right <laughs> But if I were to look into either of you guys' freezers, what am I going to find in your freezer? Uh, lots of corn still now. We still <laughs> that's what's a, that takes up most of the room in our freezers, the corn. Okay, no, but you don't have a house full of I can tell you if I open my freezer right now, I'm gonna have some jambalaya for when I don't feel and gumbo for when I feel like I don't want to cook. There's gonna be some stock. And then there's probably going to be like random bits of frozen vegetable things where it was too much to put in what I was doing, but not enough uh, to really make a dish. But for some reason, I feel like I need to still save it. What do you, you never know? You never know when you're going to need it. Uh, well, yeah, we got the the flour, the the cornmeal, stuff like that. But we also have um, our family for years have have done pecans. So anytime we get ready, especially like at the holidays, our grandmother has like gallons and gallons of chopped up pecans and we're going to use them to make all kind of different candies and stuff like that. Um, there's probably a couple things in there. I don't even know what they are. They've probably been there for so many years. Probably should like get rid of that. <laughs> but we also live uh, just a few miles from Botchkir River. So, you know, we grew up on the, the river as well. So we have shrimp. We always have seafood and fish. So I'm sure there's some shrimp in there as well. Oh, yeah. All right. So our next challenge is I'm going to come over and we're going to go through, I'm going to bring the random contents of my freezer and we're going to take the random contents of your freezers and we're going to take some cornmeal and some corn flour and some grits and we're going to see what kind of crazy masterpiece we can put together. How's that sound? That sounds, sounds great. Good. We're ready. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you tell everybody out there how they can find you? Um, when and how they can buy from you and uh when they need to get their holiday orders in by 
Well, holiday orders right now, today, because <laughs> we can't guarantee it past that. Um, they can they can go to our website, bayoucorefarms.com. Um, they can find all, you know, the grits, the cornmeal, the flour on there. We actually do a fish fry mix, too, where we take the flour and we put different spices. And Or you can buy the flour and you can uh, make your own fish fry. Um, we're on all the social media outlets, that kind of stuff. We're, we stay pretty active and do lots of events and stuff, you know, so... They can find us a little bit, little, little everywhere. Awesome. So BayouCoraFarms.com. And um, y'all, there's lots of restaurants that are uh, carrying products. So even if you don't want to uh, cook it everywhere from Louisiana all the way to Florida along the Gulf Coast uh, and here in New Orleans, uh, Belgard Bakery. So I know that... Uh, they're doing a lot of cool things. So is Margie's Grill and Coquette. So get out there, try some Bayou Cora Farms, but even better is get in your home kitchen, do a little cooking and, uh, you know, make some food for yourself and share it with your family and friends, right? Absolutely. Well, thanks guys. For my listeners out there, we had Josh and Jared Higginbotham with Bayou Cora Farms, and we were talking all things grits. I'll have this up. I'll send y'all some links on social media so you can follow and learn a little bit more. You've been listening to Dinner Party with Chef Amy Sims. Until next time, ciao.